Welcome to Dream Up by Burdock, a weekly podcast show connecting you with inspiring Asian American creatives by exploring what they do and the paths that got them there. This is Dream Up. Hi, this is Peter Ashley. Today I'll be speaking with Dong Ping Wong. Dong is the founding director of Food New York, a design studio located in Chinatown. He is also the co-founder of Friends of Plus Pool, a nonprofit dedicated to building the world's first water filtering floating swimming pool. Hey, Dong, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, Peter. How are you? <laughs> good, good. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I know, and we're uh, flipping the roles this time. I get I to interview you, so this is this is exciting for me. Have you been running the podcast for a little while? You're our third guest. Cool. And it's actually quite interesting because what you were doing with your radio is quite similar in the sense that it's a similar impetus of trying to encourage Asian American youth and show them the creative possibilities. So, oh, awesome! That's right. Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> I want to just start if you could introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, so my name is Dongping Wong. I'm a designer and an architect, and run an architecture studio named Food New York. So we're based in Chinatown. Obviously, like everybody, we're not actually working out of our office right now. But you know, we have a kind of mix of projects, some civic, some retail work. We're working on a sort of healthcare hospital project right now. But it's a good eclectic mix of work. And if you could just describe what your day-to-day looks like in your career. Like currently or <laughs> pre-pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> I guess just in general, what, <laughs> what you do. Let's see, what does the day-to-day look like? So whether it's currently, I guess, pre-pandemic, each morning. So we like let's see, right now we have, I think, four projects, four active design projects going on in the office. And let's say three projects that are in or about to start construction. So it means that generally each project has a team to it. And so almost every morning it's kind of just checking in with everybody. So now, for example, it's like we have a 10 a.m. Zoom call where everybody just kind of like logs in and Sometimes it's a five minute, like I have nothing to talk about. Cool. <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> um, so then, and then we'll do basically pinups of a sort. Um, Tuesday, Thursdays, we actually have a more formalized setup for pinups. But basically, it's like, you know, people are putting up their work, whether it's on screen or literally pinning it up. And we just kind of go through and review. And generally, the nice thing is trying to get through each of the projects in the morning, <clears throat> kind of as early as possible. So that way, the design teams can kind of keep working without interruption without me bugging them, without like other meetings bugging them. And then from that point on, I'd say my day is like a super up in the air. It's either I'm running around to meetings, uh, I'm on calls, or I talk with uh, Bella a lot who runs the office, especially the business side. So oftentimes working through like business issues. In the rare chance I actually get to sit down and have like considered hours to design, I will try to do that. Uh, But oftentimes it's kind of just like, even just learning how to draw again, like just spending time drawing and actually like relaxing the brain a little bit but that's probably pretty typical it's kind of like a mad rush at the beginning and then by lunch everybody's sort of doing their own thing and then i'm either in meetings or i'm designing basically and can you tell us about how you started yeah so i actually had um a very linear route i'd say up until starting the office so i went to i'm from california i went to undergrad uh, at berkeley for architecture and actually even before that the high school i went to it was a public high school, but somehow they had this really funny drafting class that was basically like you learn how to hand draw like machine parts. So like 
a piece of a wrench or like a weird like engine thing, like super technical and nerdy. And I really liked it. <laughs> so from there, I basically was like, oh, maybe architecture is a thing you could do. And I remember declaring more because like I couldn't really figure out what else I wanted to do and just grew to love it over undergrad. After undergrad, worked for a couple of years, went to grad school uh, here in New York, which is how I ended up in New York. Finished that also for architecture at Columbia and then just started working for people. And so it was like a very linear it was almost like textbook up until the recession, basically. Um, and then at the recession, I had already worked, like sort of ticked off, I feel like, what you sort of should be doing when you're kind of building a career architecture. I'd worked at, I think, five different offices at that point. I'd gotten all the school credentials. And the nice thing in a weird way was the recession sort of threw everything for a loop. Like there was, I had just left an office right before the recession, just it was kind of time to go, but it was obviously not a great time to find work. And so out of no other options, I think I just started working and, and creating ideas on my own, either doing competitions or just throwing ideas out there. Then eventually that's basically what started Plus Pool, which was kind of like the first project I ever did that garnered any kind of attention. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Plus Pool is, uh, it's based an Olympic sized pool, but it's shaped like a plus. So it's literally like two pools kind of like stuck together or four pools started stuck together. Um, but the basic idea is that it, it's a floating pool. So it floats in the East river. The site is actually coincidentally the closest site to my house currently. I just got very lucky about that. And, but it filters river water. So like in the walls are embedded all this filtration material and filtration uh, media and basically cleans the river water as it moves into the pool uh, and creates basically a cleaner swimming water than your typical swimming pool, but without the use of chemicals and some of natural. So it was an idea that I had and that seemed really funny and kind of like a no-brainer, even though I had no idea how to do it. And I developed it uh, with at the, uh, my good friend, still a good friend, but my business partner at the time, my partner at the time named Juana, we developed this idea very initially and then called our other two good friends, Archie and Jeff, who run their own design studio and play lab. And we're just like, we have this idea. We have no idea what to do with it. Um, do you want to work on a website? Like that was as simple as it was. And then they just took it and ran with it. So from there, it kind of spread everywhere and it turned into a real project with a real backing behind it. But it was as simple as just putting like an image out in the world and then seeing what would happen. Right. And then what was the next step? Is that when you launched your studio together with Juana? Yeah. So Juana and I met working at Rex probably two years prior to that. So this was maybe like 2010. We met working in 20, 2007. And we worked really well together. Like the, the bosses saw we worked really well together. They were kind of moving us as like a duo to different projects. And then after I left Rex and she went back to finish school and kind of worked all over the world, we just constantly were staying in touch. And we had set up at the time, there wasn't like Instagram or anything. We had just set up a blog basically for ourselves to pass ideas back and forth. Like we would do competitions together and basically just like do it online that way. And so I think we always knew we wanted to work together, but Plus Pool was the first sort of like, quote unquote, real project that happened. And then I honestly don't remember what happened between this, but then the next big step was we started working with Kanye. And the Kanye thing came about um, because he had met Juana working with OMA, uh, a big office in New York about a year or two before that. And then they finished the project, they got along really well, and he just kind of cold called us and said, I want to work with you guys. I don't want to work with this big office anymore. So we were kind of, the office, I'd say like started with Plus Pool, but the actual office that actually paid rent started with Kanye. <laughs> so <laughs> like the office in spirit started with Plus Pool, like the name was established. We basically like set up a website and we're like, we're an office now. 
but we had no real income. Like I was freelancing, Wanda was still working part, uh, full-time, just scrounging together, like living kind of like every other week at a time kind of thing. So the Kanye thing obviously like took us in the whole other direction. But for the longest time, it was basically, if we had any notoriety whatsoever, it was either we were either plus pool or we were Kanye architects. Right. Um, and it took us a while, I think, to bring those two things together. But I'd say, I think Kanye in a way was our first proper paying client. Oh, that's not true. Actually, our first, my first real paying client was the new museum. Um, we had won a competition to do like a festival set of festival tents also with the play like guys. And I think that paid us not much. <laughs> <laughs> it did. I mean, it was a, you know, it was an easy, like a, not easy, but it was like a small scale kind of competition thing. I don't remember what the fee was, but I want to say it was like 10 grand or something like that. <laughs> but is that a normal thing in the life of an architect? Are there various projects and competitions that you apply for? Yeah. So generally architects, all almost all architecture projects are commissioned. So there's a client and typically they'll have an idea for a project and you'll get approached. There Another option that is, like you said, is the competition where there's either an open or an invited competition. Oftentimes it's put out by a city or a kind of governmental organization. And it can be for anything. It could be for like museums, bridges, uh, libraries, like you name it, there can be competitions for it. It's actually much more prevalent in Europe to do competitions than it is in the U.S., and then the other option, let's say, is a kind of combination, which is called like an RFP or an RFQ. So a request for a proposal, a request for qualifications. Basically, there's like a listing. And oftentimes, New York City will do this. They're, they're going to put a listing out, let's say, for a library. And you can respond to that listing with your qualifications. Competitions are very popular, I say, for young architects to try to get going as an office. But they're also like a super crapshoot in terms of it turning in anything worthwhile. We actually got, I'd say, like, lucky in a sense that what funded Plus Pool at the very beginning, that is to say, like, I think uh, we paid PlayLab, like, $2,500 to design this website, which is, like, nothing looking back at it. But we only had that $2,500 because we placed second in a competition in Slovenia, maybe four months before that. And so suddenly we had this, like, spending cash and we invested it into this pool project. So I, I do think competition is actually a really good way, especially for anybody kind of getting an art teacher, a good way, but more so a good way to like hone your skills and to kind of test what it is you'd want to do independently um, as opposed to really a, a business venture. Right. So coming back to your career after the Kanye, what happened next? So Kanye kept us pretty busy for a while. And I'd say the next step was actually Virgil and Virgil, Oblo, Off-White Virgil, Nike Virgil, Louis Vuitton Virgil. And that was, we'd met him through Kanye. I think he was already starting to branch out on his own when we first started working with him. But funnily, the, the direct project, the first direct project from Virgil was in the car ride. It was Virgil, Virgil's wife, Juan and I, in a car in Paris on the way to Versailles for Kim and Kanye's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the most like ludicrous setting you could ever imagine. It was already one of those things where you're like, how the hell am I like even in this situation? And like off the cuff, you know, Virgil had, I think Off-White had been around probably not even a year, but you know, everybody knew about it already, but he just randomly was like, oh, do you guys want to design a store for Off-White? And of course, like, hell yeah. And the, so the first one was on Hong Kong. And I remember for the longest time, like not understanding why Hong Kong, like why he wanted to open a store. But it was so casual. It was just like, cool, let's do it. And then six months later, the store was done. Like it was incredibly fast. Um, and then we worked with Virgil. Uh, and we still work with Virgil, but we worked really intensely with Virgil for probably two or three years after that. 
and did six different stores and a bunch of other like pop-up things and a bunch of other work. And then I think between those things, we started picking up non-Kanye, non-Virgil kind of things. So other fashion retail stuff, got invited to different things to do more civic work. Plus pool, I think it was like when plus pool and like the sort of like cultural sides that are coming together. But Virgil was definitely a connection through the, through the Kanye work. Right. And then when did you launch your studio? So food started just over two years ago. So Juan and I basically worked as family. The office is called family for about, I think, directly 10 years from the day we decided to start it. And then we decided to split our offices into two in 20, beginning of 2018. So she works under her own name. And then um, my office became food from family. And I guess while building your career, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges you encountered? I'd say in some ways, I think the biggest, which is still true, is even on those practical level, figuring out where projects are going to come from. I think it's the classic architectural model is very much like clients have to approach you. So you're basically waiting for clients to call you up. And it's just not particularly satisfying <laughs> to do that. I mean, that's one of the reasons even why we, we wanted to do the plus pool project was to put out work that we wanted to do knowing that nobody was going to approach us for that. And we've kept doing that kind of thing. There, I would say there's no real easy answer to that. A lot of it's networking. A lot of it's getting press. A lot of it's putting your name out there. A lot of, I'd say 75% of the work, if not more, is from like word of mouth, like relationships you have. So like even as dumb as it is, like Kanye to Virgil, Virgil to someone else, someone that knows Virgil, someone else, whatever. Otherwise, I'd say like you're never taught how to run a business in school. You're never really taught how to run a business working for an office. So certainly like that was the steepest curve starting up was just even dumb things like how do you file business taxes? How do you deal with like insurances? How do you deal with payroll? All things that like are very practical and, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of businesses do it every day. But you're basically every architect I feel like learns from scratch to do that in some way. So for someone who wants to pursue a career in architecture, do you have any tips or advice? I would say try to work for someone. I mean, that's a really obvious answer, but I gained a lot more experience working than I did going to school in terms of things that I think are directly applicable to if you wanted to start your own office. I think school is, is huge in terms of shaping how you think of things and what you prioritize. But I would say just if you can find anybody to work with, find an internship, find, I urge people like, you know, don't work for free <laughs> if you can avoid it. Uh, I think that's really key. Um, but there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of young and interesting offices that like, you know, we're actually always looking for, or we could afford it, always looking for designers and creative people that are not classically architects just to offer like a different voice and a different way to approach things. But the other thing you can do, which frankly is also what I did, even though I had a kind of like linear training is just, just design stuff. I think it's like, maybe sounds easier than it is, but I think there's nothing stopping anybody from like designing something on paper or making a model out of something or collaging stuff in Photoshop. Like there's a lot of skill sets that we use professionally that I think a lot of people use just for fun on their own, like Photoshop, for example. And I think that's a big part is like, there's all these tools now to put your ideas out there, even as dumb as it is, like just a posting on Instagram. I think you can already develop a kind of a voice. You can figure out what kind of work interests you and develop a design language that frankly, is, is really important for any employer to look at, but also just to see is like, is this actually what you're interested in? Uh, I don't know if, I think there's a lot to be said for formal training, but I don't think actually that you need to start with formal training. So what's next for your team? What are you uh, excited about? Uh, so we started maybe like a month and a half ago, 
certainly midway through the shutdown, we started another initiative project based at a design, a Center for Health. So it's a Center for Health. The location we were looking at is right at the where Madison and Pike hit in Chinatown. There's an existing DEP building there that's like a truck depot. And the idea was to create, it's not quite a hospital, but it's basically a building that would be the kind of center for health for the whole neighborhood. So everything from, it's like physical, mental, and nutritional health is how we've divided it up. But the idea is that it's not a place you go to only when you have a problem or only when you have an emergency, but it's it's something as part of the daily life of a community as it is like getting lunch or grabbing a coffee. So, you know, everything from like a market on the ground floor to therapeutic and treatment things upstairs in the mental side to like as simple as a gym to a garden. The idea is that just by coming and being around the building, you can start not only feeling healthier, but being more aware of your own health. And I think that was certainly born out of every, like our whole offices and everybody's anxiety, like very top of mind, your personal health and how it affects everybody around you, but also seeing how wild even like individual health affected like the public spaces in a city, like completely emptying out and gutting cities, all the parks being empty. So trying to make that combination of like health in the city much more apparent. So it's exciting because I think we don't really know what we're doing and we're just testing it. And this is actually something, you know, like literally anybody could do this, which I think is both interesting about it and also a little scary, but all we're really doing is basically research, which we do through Google. You put uh, drawings and images um, online or just with your team and you're just sharing ideas. You know, like we make a lot of models out of foam and like wood. And so we just make those and like photograph them. And then what we started doing because we are not the experts on health, especially it started inviting friends to join us for pinups. And obviously it's all through zoom and zoom's actually allowed us to reach out to people that we wouldn't otherwise. But we just, last one we talked to was um, a guy who's an ICU nurse in one of the major hospitals in the city. And he was obviously telling us what his day to day was like, but also having him literally look at the building and be like, what do you think? What problems do you see? How would you use this? And it's great, I think, to get feedback, especially because he's not an architect himself. So that's fun for us because also I'm not totally sure what the final outcome will be. Is it going to be a building? Is it going to be just more discussions? Is it going to be a whole different direction for our office to look at healthcare? I don't know. You have to, I'll tell you in like a few months, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, man. Thanks for calling. Or thanks for like inviting me. <laughs> Thank you to Mark Redito for the music. Please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. And join us next week on Dream Up.